designed for parents and kids. This is your host, Sasha the Catalyst. I am so glad to be back. Um, today we're going to be talking about the powerhouse of the human design chart, the Sacral Center. We've started this series on an overview with an overview of the nine centers in the body graph. And then we um, talked about the, the three gates of the head center. And then we, we moved all the way down to the bottom of the body graph to the root center. And the reason for this is because contrary to popular belief, the creative process of divine inspiration does not go down through the ajna into the throat or through the ajna and the throat and into the G center. It actually goes through the head and then back out into the aura field, back out to interface with the quantum field, and then comes up through the root center and spreads out into the sacral, the um, spleen, and the solar plexus, and then fills out the rest of the, the body graph. Why is that important? It's important to know because so many of us are who are in our not self trying to manifest through our throats. And, um, and I'm not talking about manifestors or manifesting generators. Those are different things. But a lot of us in the human design space are trying to take these big ideas and then manifest them by talking about them and or using like what the secret would call um, positive speech, you know, manifesting speech or whatever and intentions. And I think that there's some wisdom in that as well. But the key really to the human design wisdom is the waiting. And <clears throat> we really live in a society where patience is becoming, I mean, it is a virtue, but it's a really rare commodity. <laughs> and so every single human design type has to wait. Once they get that divine inspiration on the inside of them or a dream or whatever, the, uh, every chart has a different way of hearing from the divine or getting guidance from the divine. But once you get that guidance, you still then have to integrate it, put it somewhere where you can just love on it and, and then wait and wait for the quantum field to bring a manifested reality to you to react to. Unless you're a manifester, in which case you're waiting um, for something different. Instead of waiting for something to respond to or waiting for an invitation or waiting for 28 days, what a manifester is waiting for is um, for the correct divine timing inside. It's an inside knowing and then they can initiate. If they do it outside of, of correct timing, they're still going to be met with anger, uh, resistance, and frustration. So... Um, I probably need to do a whole episode about how to teach patience to our children because learning to wait for the universe to re to bring you something to respond to, um, again, if, and I don't mean just responding as a generator, but <clears throat> since 70% of, of the children out there are generators, it is worth saying that our number one job as a parent is to teach our kids to wait patiently for something to respond to. And, um, and if you have a projector, they need to learn even more patience because now they're waiting for an invitation, which can take longer. And in fact, projectors probably have one-fifth, maybe one-tenth of the number of things to respond to by waiting than a generator does because the manifestation process is slightly slower because they lack a sacral energy. 
And um, and it's not a lack, but it just means that the, the projector is going to be invited in to a lot less relationships to do that karmic work, soul work, than a generator will. So, um, but nonetheless, all, all children, especially manifestors, need to learn patience. So that's my little rant for this morning. If you are intrigued at all about ways to teach your child patience and ways to teach your child to um, use their human design without learning a bunch of not self-conditioning that they'll have to decondition later, <laughs> um, you are welcome to jump inside my human design family mentorship, which uh, for right now, um, my holiday special is um, that I offer a complete 90-minute reading, which is normally valued at $444, is now, is included inside the Human Design Family Mentorship. Um, and I also do relationship composites, family pentas, all of that is included in the low monthly fee of the Human Design Mentorship. So I encourage you to check that out on my website, www.sashaclark.com. Okay, so the Sacro Center has a lot of gates. Um, I'm going to be talking very fairly quickly, so you might want to slow me down and take some notes, but there is quite a few gates to um, go over in the Sacro Center. If you're new to human design, the Sacro Center is the second square up from the bottom. It's usually red if you are parenting a generator or a manifesting generator. It will be white if you are are parenting any of the non-sacral beings, the manifestors, the projectors, or the reflectors. Um, so we're gonna just stop, or sorry, start at the top left, gate five, um, which is the gate of fixed patterns, or the gate, I like to call this the, the little drummer boy gate. <laughs> gate five is a gate that needs, um, that needs, it's about setting a rhythm this is kind of like the drum line or the bass line of any band. Um, I mean, piano is also a rhythm instrument, but the, the key aspect of this gate is that in order to start something new, there's a disruption to the current pattern to make room to have that new pattern in there. So for example, let's say, um, let's say your child is going to take on learning an instrument. And so now they need to find a place in their daily rhythm for that 15 minutes of practice every day. And by the way, if you're not a musician and you have a child taking a musical instrument, please don't let them practice more than 15 minutes a day. If they want to practice longer than 15 minutes a day because they're super passionate, have them take a break and come back later for another 15 minute session in, take a five minute break. And the reason I say that is because my experience as a musician, I'm a long-standing musician, I know multiple instruments, is that if you practice longer than 15 minutes, generally you're practicing mistakes more than you're practicing it right because your fingers, your muscles start to get tired. So it's best just to take a, a five-minute break and come back, especially if it's a difficult piece. Now, why am I mentioning that in a episode about human design? Maybe it's because I can't control my random thoughts, but that's not true. Um, that's also, we're also talking about how to help harness the energy of gate five. If they start to get into a, a rhythm that's not serving them, you can interrupt it by just asking them to take a break from it. Like, we'll just call it a day off, you know, and, um, and that's a great way to reset the pattern and come back to it. So um, the next gate is gate 14. Gate 14 is called the gate of power skills. 
This gate is on the individual circuit and goes right up the middle of the body graph. And um, um, gate 14 is about the um, about having the ability to be at peace or trust that all the resources, especially money that is needed in life will come to you. That you just, that everything you need will show up in your reality, outer reality if you are aligned. So working with a child with this gate, um, you may notice that they have irrational fears around money or they may be worried about money or worried about your ability to provide in some way. Um, the next gate is gate 29, the gate of perseverance. This gate um, is also called the gate of devotion in quantum human design and it is on the top right of the sacral center. The gate of perseverance is the ability to stay determined. It's a very determined energy and will stay um, to change the story or the narrative of the world. And um, the devotion, what, what the, that child is devoted to or committed to will ultimately set a tone or direction for their life. I, um, again, it's, it's connected to the G-Center, so <coughs> excuse me, there is a real energetic relationship between what they commit their time and attention to and the different um, paths that will come forth out of the G-Center as a result of that. So um, some, some wisdom and guidance for children with, the, with Gate 29 is really um, knowing when to let go of something, when, when to let go of a commitment to something that is no longer serving them or is taking them in a direction that is leading them to like burnout or stress. Um, just knowing when enough is enough or teaching them to be discerning to commit to the right things. So, you know, you can commit your time and your energy to almost anything, right? But not all things are good things to commit to. So, or, you know, some things are not, sometimes it's not about good and bad. Sometimes it's about good, better and best and like committing yourself to something that's in your best interest instead of just being good for you. Um, gate 59 is connected to, it's on the right side of the sacral center connected to the solar plexus gate six. Um, gate 59 is the gate of sustainability and this is also a very sexual gate. Um, again, uh, I don't know that it's, that it has a super sexual presentation in children that haven't gone through puberty yet. However, um, what I mean by sexual is that it's, it's the goal of the gate is to procreate or to like continue to create sustainable, like, uh, kind of, I mean, uh, like the fruit on a tree is also sexual, if you will. And so I don't mean this in a, any kind of, um, emotional or value charged way, but the tree's whole goal in life is to grow, right? But it's also secondary goal is to create fruit that has seed in it that could create more trees. And so that's really the energy of the gate 59 is that it's, it's all about like, how do we plant more trees, <laughs> you know? And um, the, in the highest expression of this gate, it's about sustainability. It's about crafting partnerships. It's on the tribal circuitry. So it's about partnerships community, 
um, intimate relationships that will help sustain, create a foundation that's sustainable in their life. So for this child, for a child with a gate 59, you may want to really be in a coaching position about some of their relationships. Again, I've never in my parenting experience, 25 years of parenting experience, I have never found it to be, um, it's never been successful for me to criticize one of my children's friends. Okay. That just doesn't work. Um, because what end up, ends up happening is that the, the child then defends the friend and then you end up in a power struggle with the child over the friend, which is not what you want. What you want is you want to be alongside the child, teaching them how to decide when they're in a good friendship versus a bad friendship for themselves and really having lots of value conversations because if their behavior in the relationships are contradicting their values, that's giving them valuable information to decide if that's a good friendship or not. But it's not really up to us as parents to decide who their friends are. And um, it is up to us as parents to teach them how to know when they're in good relationships and to teach them to have good boundaries when they're not in good relationships. So, um, and just for those of you that are unsure how to teach this, I want you to know that your relationship with your child is actually setting up a pattern for their relationships with um, with people. So if you're showing disrespect to the child's property, to their thinking process, to them as a person with harsh tones, harsh words, um, you know, going in their room without knocking first and lots of you know, borrowing their things without asking, those kind of things, you're actually setting them up to have boundary violations in other relationships. And speaking from experience again, I had to learn how to have boundaries as an adult through various difficult relationships because I was in a relationship with a parent who was violating my boundaries all the time for the majority of my upbringing. So, um, so just a word of encouragement is to look at yourself as your child's first friend and ask yourself if you would want them to be treated by someone else the way you're treating them. And for me, 90% of the time, I have some correction to do before I need to start lecturing about, <laughs> um, about friendships. So, um, but this has worked really well. My second son actually comes to me now and talks to me about like, hey, I didn't like the way he's treating me. I'm not sure if this is a good friendship. And because I re refuse to criticize his friends, all I do is reflect back to him what I heard him say, which is, wow, it sounds like that relationship's making you uncomfortable. I trust you to do the right thing. Do you need some help? Then I offer support. What kind of support can I give you to help you with that relationship? Do you need me to talk to their parent or do you want to handle it yourself? And he's a generator, so I use a lot of those yes-no questions to help activate his sacral. And sometimes he says, no, I'll handle it myself. And sometimes he says, yeah, because you talk to his his mom and see if you could get him to be a little nicer or whatever. Um, and then sometimes he just breaks the friendship off because he's doesn't like to be mistreated. So that's great. Um, okay, next one. We're moving on to gate nine. I'm, I hope I can get this finished in the right amount of time. This is a lot of information in one episode. Um, gate nine is the gate of focus. I have the gate of focus in my own chart, even though my sacral center is undefined. And the gate of focus is basically like the ability to see the big picture, but also like pick and prioritize where to focus your energy in the moment. And um, what my husband and my children would tell you is that when I am trying to get something done, 
I'm so like hyper focused on it that I can't really hear what's going on around me. So um, like right now, I'm hyper focused on finishing this episode and I have no idea if my children are awake yet or not. I can't hear anything except what's going on in this episode. So um, this focused energy is great for finishing projects. It also can be difficult if they're focusing on the wrong things. Um, and again, wrong is not a judge value judgment. It's more like, are you focused on your homework or are you focused on MTV right now? So gate three is the gate of innovation. This is a very individual gate. It's on the individual circuit. Um, this gate has the ability to embrace and integrate new ideas and new ways of doing things in a unique way. They often feel pressured or panicked about an idea or this pressure to share their ideas. Um, learning, this is again a gate where learning to trust divine timing is paramount for these kids with the gate three. Gate 42 is on the bottom left of the gate, the Sacral Center, gate 42 is called the gate of growth and endings or what my friend Christina NG um, on, inter on Instagram, she likes to call this the celebration doula and I love that. I have gate 42 as well, but this is really about ending things. So if you have a child with gate 42 who's overwhelmed, sometimes the best question to ask someone with a gate 42 is, what do you need to finish so that you can clear off your plate so that you can start this new project at school. Like, um, it, for example, if I'm gonna go cook a meal in the kitchen, I have gate 42, I will clean off the counter before I start because I need a, a clean slate. Like a, it's, it's about having clean endings. It's about sh um, sh closure and shutting the door. So um, gate 42 brings with it this ability to celebrate proper endings. And um, it's, it's connected to the spleen so again, in an unbalanced expression, a child might be having a hard time letting go of something that's not good for them anymore and may need some support, extra support in how to let go gracefully or how to close doors gracefully. Um, again, they, like without having to, you know, burn a bridge or tear down a relationship or whatever. Um, the next gate going up the left side of the sacral center is the gate of accountability, gate 27, the gate of caring. Um, oh shoot, I just said 42 connects to the <laughs> spleen, I'm sorry. 42 connects to the root center at gate 53, um, the gate of beginnings. Isn't that interesting that the gate of endings and the gate of beginnings are connected to each other? I'm sorry, gate 27 is connected to the spleen, um, the gate of accountability. This is a real nurturing gate. This, a child with gate 27, my oldest is a, has the gate 27. I'm not kidding you, any stray animals, any stray humans. She just loves to nurture people, and that's part of the gate 27. It's a very nurturing gate. Um, one of the things, the downsides of this gate is that they can get into patterns of codependency, so it's really important to, again, coach them on boundaries when it's not emotionally charged yet and help them decide when their boundaries are need to be protected. And the last gate is gate three, the gate of power. This, if you have a, a child with a 3420, they're a manifesting generator. And gate 34 is a gate of power, the ability to respond to opportunities to unify people around a transformative or powerful idea when the timing and circumstances are correct. Um, people with a gate 34, can children can often be too busy to sense correct timing. And so 
they are actually going to need um, periods of rest and reflection in order to really hear that internal divine divine timing from their sacral center. And again, learning to be patient and wait for the thing to respond to instead of forcing or manipulating or pushing. Whew, that was a lot of information in one episode, but we made it. So let's celebrate that gate 42 ending. Woohoo! <laughs> I know you're going to have questions. I love good questions. So reach out to me. The contact info is in the show notes and we'll talk soon.